Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the treat at the end of the day. I've been talking about this all day. Uh, the Heartland Mamas are with me. Uh, many times they've been on the show. It's been too long, Heartland Mamas, uh, since uh, you've been on the show. Heidi Henry and Murray Brio. And uh, before I go further, uh, Murray, why don't you just tell everybody about your podcast, The Heartland Mamas, and so they could listen to you uh, whenever you air. So go ahead. That would be great. We are the Heartland Mamas. Heidi and I are both candidate, ex-candidates from uh, a long time ago in the Great Red Divide, as we call the area uh, west and south of the Chicago Collars. And that kind of goes all the way through the Midwest. And what Heidi and I found is while we were campaigning and on the ground, there were so many people who were more blue than what anyone thought they were. And they didn't feel like they had a voice. They're so inundated with with Republican talking points that that it stifled them. So Heidi and I decided after our, our runs that we needed to send out a message to those folks in the in the purple to the folks in the red, hey, somebody understands and somebody's listening. So we, the genesis of Heartland Mamas, and we decided that Mamas was pretty important because it's about darn time we have a mama telling people what to do. <laughs> so we air regularly Tuesdays and Thursdays on Facebook Live, and then all of our podcasts are released uh, both on YouTube and your favorite podcast platform. Well, uh, Heidi Henry, I met, and I always tell the story uh, when she was campaigning for state senate, uh, and I was really impressed. Uh, Heidi knows this because she was just unabashed New Deal Democrat running in areas where there was Republicans incumbents. You didn't pull any of that, you know, Bill Clinton triangulation stuff where you move to the la- uh, to the right and pretend you're sort of a conservative dem- or Democrat or a moderate Republican. Yeah. Uh, she was who she was. And Murray's the same way. They're both cut from the same cloth. They speak their mind and uh, let the chips fall where they may. So I'm going to start with Heidi first with a tough question. And yeah. then uh, Murray will weigh in. And uh, this has to do with the Speaker of the House, the leader of the Democratic Party in the state of Illinois, Michael Joseph Madigan, uh, has gotten himself in all kinds of trouble. Commonwealth yeah. Edison uh, just uh, pled to uh, having attempted to bribe him by putting his cronies uh, on the payroll and giving out contracts uh, to other cronies. And Commonwealth Edison has agreed to pay $200 million fine for these offenses. Uh, The reaction of many, many, many Democrats uh, in the state house and throughout the state is one where they get all somber and sober sounding. And they say things like, if the allegations uh, are proved to be true, we will ask that Michael Joseph Madigan stepped out. I always laugh when I say that if the alien come on with Edison's paying $200 million fine. Okay, sorry. Uh, I didn't mean to editorialize. Uh, Heidi Henry, your thoughts on Michael Joseph Madigan. Go ahead. You know, I always start this when people ask me the Madigan question. I don't know him. We've been in the same 
room together at the same event together on four different occasions, but I don't know him. He had nothing to do with either my house race or Senate race that I know of. Well, actually, I do know he did have some strings that he pulled in that one, uh, getting Cullerton on board to get me out of a house race and into a Senate race. But here's the problem, Ben. When you have somebody who's entrenched like Madigan and Cullerton are in Illinois politics, Cullerton's gone now. But what happens is they consolidate the power and they consolidate the money and he who can you know i have this theory about um i call it the the white guy magic okay every sorry old white man (laughs) wants to consolidate power and money and then control the flow of money to others therefore impeding the ability for others to rise right so that's michael madigan and I, I don't know him. The Democratic Party gave me this line. If it weren't for Michael Madigan, we would hit me a right to work state. I don't believe that, but I do believe that he stood up to Rauner. I do believe that. But here's here's the thing. He consolidated so much power and so much money. And in the end, all we had is this, this ball of confusion where everything has to go through him, right? So we can't have candidates that aren't approved by him. We can't have money go to candidates that aren't approved by him. Legislation doesn't get done unless he says so. I know that he stood up to Rauner. I know he held up, you know, the things that kept Illinois from getting into deeper trouble. But the problem with somebody who has that much power is that they feel like they're invincible. And then they make mistakes like Commonwealth Edison. And that's what we do know about. We we also know other things that aren't as good. And... It's time for him to step down from DPI. Murray and I talk to candidates, as you do all the time, that are House candidates. They can't say one way or the other. But Murray and I know that Madigan is toxic. He is toxic downstate. I can't tell you how many people that I talked to when I was running knocking doors um, that they didn't care about anything that I stood for. <laughs> they cared about Madigan. That's I was running about. federally, Heidi, and yeah. I was lumped in with Madigan. Okay. I mean, if you, it doesn't matter whether he resigns or what his name is basically sort of like Hillary Clinton's was. It's been damned and... I, demonized yeah. and not not saying that it's not legitimate not saying that any of it isn't real that he, it isn't right but you're, you're gonna get it no matter what with madigan if you're a democrat they tell you to Madigan. well uh listen i struggle with this because I'm, I'm picking up on something heidi said i'm one of those democrats face it that's what i am i think i've voted republican twice in my life all right so uh and it's all been a long life mm-hmm. such would it be longer uh and I really do give Madigan credit yeah. uh, for standing up to Rauner. And I do give a lot of credence uh, to the notion that he pr- uh, kept Rauner from turning Illinois into uh, Scott Walker's uh, Wisconsin. Yeah, right. I give him a lot of credit. He was there uh, when we needed him, et cetera, and so forth. But, I mean, Heidi, it's like you if you're Michael Madigan and you're taking the stance against – uh, Bruce Rauner and that Republican machine, and yeah. they're spending millions of dollars to discredit you. You got to be squeaky clean. You hear what I'm saying? Well, I and I agree. And the thing is, is that, you know, you and I both know, Murray knows this, that when we have people who are uh, property tax attorneys running the state of Illinois, running the city of Chicago, running Cook County, we're never going to get 
property tax relief. I don't care how on board uh, Madigan says he is on fair tax. We know, you and I know, Murray knows, that this will directly impact his business down the line, right? So um, the the thing is, is that he's never been squeaky clean. He's part of the old the old guard, the old Chicago guard where, you know, uh, the, I'm going to use Fast Eddie here. That's going back a ways. <laughs> where you had to, to pay the piper in order to play, right? Mm-hmm. You just, you can't, you can't have any freedom when the entire state is carved out to look like a reflection of yourself. And Heidi, I, I think you're right. I think what you, what my thoughts were on this is um, I, I, he, he there's Madigan came to power during the old style of politics in Illinois, yep. um, Chicago style politics. Exactly. Now, is Chicago style politics effective or was yes. it effective? Yes. Yeah. Can it still be effective? Yes. But should it be effective? And should it be not effective? Just should it be? And the answer is no. We need we have wonderful progressive leaders we have yes. a progressive. Uh, we have we have Pritzker, who is a progressive. Definitely been. I didn't on think the he was, but of, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I totally agree. And so, yeah. but we still have this control over the party that is this old school, old entrenched, iron fisted male ideas. Yeah, and and it's time that that gets broken. And and if it's not for, because you'll be tied to him no matter what, even if he steps down, Republican campaigns are going to attack you because you were once in a room with them. Right? It doesn't matter. He's so contagious anyway in the yeah. political sphere. All right, but I have two follow-up questions. I think he needs to step out. I have two follow-up questions, one for Murray and one for Heidi. Uh, 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 we'll start with uh, Murray. Old school uh, Chicago politics. When you say that, what do you mean? Uh, I mean the systemic uh, come on (laughs) the entire system so if you look at it as a philosophy Mm -hmm. you know um, it's politics in general it tends to get a bad name because it's Chicago and we had a lot of criminals and a lot of crooks but it's just politics but in an area like Chicago where they built a machine so you have your um not aldermen you have your uh yeah your aldermen and below your aldermen are your precinct fair people and then you've got your your precinct people and being in those positions had a lot of power and weight in the community so your voice had a lot of power and weight and in order to get anything done you had to know those people you had to you work with people Mm-hmm. You had to be introduced to those people in order to accomplish things. Yeah. And that all leads itself into the insidiousness of politics. My, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. And then if you step out of line, the thing about the Chicago politics is not, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. But old school Chicago was, if you don't scratch mine, the mob mentality comes in. I won't right. take you out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's this, and, and that is was effective and but i think the way voters have grown um the level of information has grown uh the the, the crux the soul of our party i think that it's time to really follow a different path rather than old school machine well Mer, i just want to say uh, i thought that was a pretty that was a good answer accurate answer of uh what how old school Chicago Dems uh, operate. I will say this, that is the exact operation that Donald John Trump has set up with the Republicans. If you step yes, out of line, he, yes. 
crushes you. If you dare to defy, he sends out a tweet. So I just want to say this. If all those voters out in the purple areas and the red areas uh, hate old school politics so much, they sure have a funny way of showing it, Heidi Henry. They sure, they're lining up with their MAGA hats. And I don't see any difference between Donald John Trump and Michael Joseph Madigan in terms of how they're bosses. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I I mean, Ben, I'll agree. We have people who even in the General Assembly and in the Senate and at all levels of government try to recreate and and follow those lines. And and it's detrimental to the party. It's detrimental to the voters. Uh, Yeah, it's it's detrimental. They're they're, they're Democratic Oh, All right. I'm going to follow up uh, something Heidi said. And uh, this was a good uh, point. I wrote it down. I'm paraphrasing. I didn't have the exact quote. But you're talking about an inherent conflict of interest yes. uh, for a state rep or a uh, state senator who has a property tax appeal business, as Michael Madigan has, a very flourishing one. Yes. Uh, and uh, his Ed role, Burke. Ed Burke. <laughs> I kind of forget Big Eddie Burke. John Collerton. Uh, John Collerton. <laughs> so, and and uh, his role as a rep looking out for the people, uh, yeah. particularly in a matter like the fair tax, which is so crucial for Illinois, the referendum. Oh, my gosh. Uh, go, go into a little more detail uh, to that point, Heidi. Well, my... My philosophy, and it's just my philosophy, somebody that both you and I know, Ben, uh, called me and said, well, you know, Madigan 100% supports fair tax. And I said, I I don't believe that's true. I don't believe that's true because he will lose personal millions if fair tax is passed. He can, you know, hop, skip and jump it right, you know, to uh, Pritzker's desk, knowing that he needs 60% of the people to vote and then pull something like this where it's a poison pill. It's going to fail right now. Fair tax is not going to pass unless Madigan steps down. And he knows that he knows that I'm telling you that to consolidate that money and that power to control the vested interest in the state of, of the state of Illinois, the education and general fund of the state of Illinois is what is at stake here. It is that massive because you have Ed Burke, John Cullerton, and Michael Madigan all representing the wealthiest people for property tax breaks. I can't hardly fight them with, you know, not unless I hire an attorney, right? Mm -hmm. But the wealthy people can, so they pay a a greater proportion less than per cap, you know, dollar for dollar than we do. Right. And what happens then is um, if fair tax goes through, their income tax is going to go up. That affects his clients, okay? And that may lower their property taxes down the road. We're looking five, 10 years down the road because we know that it's going to take time for that to fully take effect. And as a result, they don't need his, his services any longer. Right. And the person that you and I both know that we're talking about this, he said, no, no, that's not what is at stake. I said, look at how it goes. It's like dominoes, one thing after another. And Madigan's got a position, in my opinion, where it is in his best interest if fair tax does not pass. And he'll say, oh, I did all I could do. We just didn't have the will of the people. No, you have the will of the people. People want this to happen. But what they don't want is Michael Madigan pulling all the strings again. I've got nothing to lose to to say how I feel because I'm not running for office. But we know, Murray and I know candidates that have been abused and neglected and, and um, 
shamed and intimidated by what goes on in the good old boys network down in Springfield. You know, the woman that stepped forward to talk about sexual harassment in his office, boy, she's got a set of ovaries on her because she knew that she was going to be harassed even more for it. You know, that's a desperate person that will actually take on that level of power because you know your career is over. You know it is. That's Elena Hampton that you're alluding to. Yeah, Elena Hampton, yeah. I couldn't think of her name because, you know, I'm old. All right, uh, (laughs) let's move on to uh, an obvious parallel. Uh, Bill Clinton, William (laughs) Jefferson Clinton, former president of the United States. Uh, I just wrote a column last week, uh, which I assigned to both of you to read as homework. Uh, It's a lot of work to come on the Ben Jarofsky show, where I said it's time for Democrats to cut the cord. No sooner Mm -hmm. did I uh, come out with that column than the Democratic Party showed me how little they care what I have to say uh, they've invited Bill Clinton to speak at their virtual convention. Uh, so <laughs> thanks, Dems. That's a way to reward my loyalty to you as a party. Uh, I'll start with you, Murray. Do you uh, agree with me or do you think I'm unfair to one Bill Clinton? No, no, I think you are 100 percent right. I think that goes to the old school ideology of the two party system and I think that it's for everything women are going through right now, for everything the nation is going through, you're going to put, you know, lock them up Clinton and, uh, you know, Monica Lewinsky scandals on stage. It's the antithesis of, of what we need to be as a party and who we respect and who we want to listen to. It's time we stop listening to you know, the, the Clintons and, and start listening to those younger or even more progressive voices. And, and it's, I think I, I, I get it. He can bring money. I get that. But the decision to do, and I'm sure that they're close personal connections and blah, blah, blah. But I just feel like it, it's not going to be the right message to send. I don't know. I agree with you. I don't yeah. I, I, I don't like that the message that it sends. I don't like that we're condemning and challenging uh, Donald Trump on his his yes. behavior, yes. his perjury, like your column said. You know, his perjury is obstruction of justice. And that's what Bill Clinton did too. So even if you take the woman factor out of it, you know, he really you your column is really right. He really did to a much less degree the same stuff that Trump is doing. So I think I think you were spot on with that. Heidi? Well, I think about um, past presidents having being honored to speak at conventions on both sides. And I think about Bill Clinton in that manner with that type of status. But I also wonder down the road if the Republicans are going to invite Trump to speak at theirs. You know, are they going to go down that route? And I think that once they get past this, they want to put it behind them as fast as possible. I understand that Bill Clinton was president and that he deserves some type of respect, certainly not a primetime spot. Um, you know, you know, we you and I've had conversations about Bill Clinton in the past. I was over Bill Clinton and didn't vote for him the first go around. And for someone like me to go and vote for H. Ross Perot, you know, I was desperate. And yeah. uh, <laughs> I did come around a little bit. I, I couldn't uh-uh. not vote for a Democrat uh, his second term. So I did vote for him the second term because in all things considered, that's who I am. I am a Democrat and I believe in 
the process. I believe that we can fix the party from the inside. It's so hard and we have to put, but we have to put these old ideologies behind us. I am really disappointed that they're giving him a spot. I'm hoping it's not a primetime spot. I, this thing with, with, um, uh, Jeffrey Epstein, I think it's going to come right up and bite us in the ass. If yeah, I mean, much. if you just talk strategy alone, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's got to be the old school idea. I really think it's a, well, past presidents come and they speak and they endorse the next president, blah, 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 blah. But that doesn't mean it has to be, okay, guys? It doesn't mean so it has to be. have Obama come, you know? Yeah, Obama. Show, him, show him in the audience waving. Hillary come. Hillary would be a great endorsement of Joe Biden, but you don't need Bill. No, you don't need it. Let me tell you this, uh, to the point that Heidi made, which is uh, the point that I get all the time. I know you weren't uh, championing the point, but I'm going to address it. The notion that the office he held is so prestigious and so important that you honor the office by having him show up. And my attitude is that that doesn't wash it with me. I don't think the Democrats are inviting Rod Blagojevich to any conventions. Anytime. <laughs> he held the highest office in the state of Illinois. It yeah. doesn't get any higher than governor. He, right. Bill Clinton has dishonored the office of the presidency. He He's dishonored, dishonored humanity. <laughs> I mean, really, he has dishonored you know. humanity. And I, I just... I don't know that he went to Little St. James Island. Do I think he did? Yeah, I think he did. Do I think that he was part and parcel of this? He was a philanderer, you know? He Monica Lewinsky was what I expected from his presidency. Do I care that he had sex in the Oval Office? I don't really care because, you know, in this day and age, a lot of people, in their consen- consenting adults, I do care about the other foibles in his personality. And... The other flaws in, in his presidency. Because it was a power imbalance. I care about it because of that. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. I, you know, you're right. She was 22, and, and that's younger As than my daughter intern, now. Your prestige and power, like Ben just said, you know, the, Poor the judgment of the office, you know, is the least of it. Be, disdained that office like you said Heidi yeah man and we'll close it down I just have to say this every time this topic comes up everything that Heidi just said I was like echoing what I was saying in the 90s and what so many Democrats were saying in the 90s I, yeah. I just said it so many times my dear mom may she rest in peace said it all the time all these Democrats that I know worked up expended so much energy yeah defending Bill Clinton oh I didn't it out there. and what does he do what does he do? Within two years, he's on an airplane with Jeffrey Epstein? I'm sorry, man. This you dude's got it. a problem. And if you yeah. just put him on that stage, pretend it doesn't exist, then you are totally undercutting whatever you say you believe in, whatever your so-called values are. It's just what, because he can raise money? Right. Come on, yeah. Democrats. He's he's a good yeah. orator, but I think that it's time for him to sit in the audience and wave when the camera pans yes. him. I don't I even know if he should be in the audience. Oh, God. <laughs> There's I no audience, by the way. It's yeah. going to be virtual. Oh, that's why it's even better. He can just wave from his silent screen. <laughs> but, I, you know, not a big fan of Bill Clinton. Uh, I just... I had to read his egregiously long book uh, because somebody gave it to me as a gift. It was like every word he ever spoke in print. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I just can't I just can't get my head around around having him. All right. We're all all right. Now we're going to give Murray uh, her question. She raised this as an issue. I think it was Murray that raised this issue. Uh, Even if it wasn't Murray that has raised this issue, she's getting this question. 
Uh, as we speak, as we do this uh, recording, uh, Joe Biden is deliberating as to who he will select as his vice president. By the time this airs, that will have been announced. I'm not sure when this is airing, but even Joe Biden's going to have to make up his mind <laughs> within the next week. So uh, I think it was Murray that raised yeah. the point. Different treatment uh, for women when it comes to the selection process of vice president. I think you're right on about something. Go into that in a little more detail. Yeah, it's it, it, and it goes to what we were talking about before. It goes to. All right, we have this demo. Look at look at 2016. We had a woman at the head of the ticket. She was the presidential candidate. And the very first time that women or women's rights or women's anything was mentioned was what was it? Page 17 of the 2017 platform. Yeah. Page 17 is where women even came into the equation. Then we got and that was worldwide women, not even US women. Yeah. And then by page 34, we were mentioned again for equality. But that shows you where women's status actually and truly is. Yeah. We, we talked about this during the, the primary with all of the female candidates. You know, Kamala just attacked Joe. She was just way too rough. She was just she pushed people over the edge when she fought back. Um, Amy, Amy Klobuchar, she's a harpy. Do you see the way she is? She doesn't smile enough. We, we we expect this 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 but the standard is so double none of these women that are in the running have a criminal background or sexual assault or you know they may have some or went to jeffrey politics island right. you know yet who's being a because like there was an article talking about how Joe Biden's team was worried that Kamala might be too aggressive and overshine him. I and know that, um, you know, a vice president needs to be uh, supportive and elevating of the president. And, and, and you know what? Let's face it. Let's be real honest here. Joe Biden's 77 years old. My hope is that he wins the nomination, gets into office and goes, OK, I'm done here, passes it off. You know, he's not going to be around <laughs> forever. Murray, how soon do you want to be? Do you let him sit in there for one month or one week before he passes? <laughs> Give him a Murray, month. Murray, not a fan. <laughs> Actually, Murray, not a fan of Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> it all goes together. It's all yeah. misogynistic, white, colonial, male, straight Christian male ideology mm-hmm. that everything we have in the world was built on. Every name, everything, the, the color blue was, was came up with by a man. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's just so frustrating as a woman to see how, oh, she's too soft. Oh, this one likes Scientology. We have to vet. And that brings us to vetting. I want to know how we vet. Politicians never have resumes checked. If you don't have an opponent who's going to go after you, nobody knows who you really are. Right. So I don't know. That's my that's my soapbox. Heidi. Well, I see it completely as a double standard. Nobody wants a piece of fluff like Sarah Palin, right? And to say that we don't want a warrior queen like Kamala Harris is ridiculous. I mean, my progressive heart can hardly stand the choices that are left. And uh, because because if he picks Harris, he's picking which the smart money's on Harris. I, I'm telling you, it's going to be Biden Harris. And I think the juxta the tiff that they had in that one uh, debate 
is going to be show that they can get along, that they can unify and bring a team of unity. Bring the team together. I think it's all you know. It's all on stage that way for us, but her being too aggressive my god what we need is somebody who could put a size nine pump up somebody's butt if they need to you know so um, yeah well she you know she just has to be (laughs) she has to be the person she is right and i would rather have a tough defining definitive woman with direction and purpose than a sarah palin right I mean, I, people like Marie and I would just die if they picked a fluff ball. It would just be, it would be such an insult. But the caliber of women that he's got on the short list. And I, you know, Ben, I really have to say, I think the reason it's taking so long is the longer they draw this out, the less time they give to the Republican Party to come after whoever. Ah, Heidi, right. Henry's, she knows the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to learn it by the seat of my pants. But. Yeah, that had, whoa. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a yeah. big strategy reason why. It's the same thing with the it. with the platform. It's everything like that. I mean, Murray and I did our platform uh, two shows, one foreign and one domestic, and uh, things that we like to see. See, and you know, after the pandemic, I think the next thing in in Paris and uh, the Iran deal, uh, he needs to codify Roe v. Wade and take women out of the equation for manipulation because both parties use women and Roe v. Wade as vote getters and donation getters. And we're sick of being played like that. We're sick of it. So it's time to codify Roe v. Wade. Let's let that go and let women just be equal partners in this on this in this country. Uh, that uh, I agree with you. Well put. And uh, yes, you're absolutely correct. That's uh, they're, they're withholding that so they minimize the amount of time that Trump people uh, have oh, yeah. to uh, attack it. All right, now I'm going to raise this is totally out of left field. Love to get your thoughts on this. Uh, and one of the candidates that is under consideration is Susan Rice. I do not believe he will give it the nomination to Susan Rice, but she, as we speak, is one of the candidates. I was reading an article the other day that talked about her son. Uh, he's I think he's about 21, 22, something like yeah. that, a college kid at Stanford who, uh, who is a Trump supporter. Uh, the ma- he wears the MAGA and he wears it with pride. All right. Okay. I am going to say something that is uh, kind of uh, out there, but I'm going to say it anyway because I'm out there. Yeah. I don't believe Joe Biden should select as his vice president someone who has a son who is so much a supporter of Donald Trump. And I'll tell you why the kid has every right to his opinion in America, not saying that I'm saying you talk about a distraction. We're yeah. talking about George Conway, Kellyanne Conway all over again. <laughs> only from every time this kid wants to get yes. at his mom, you're going to send out a tweet, send out, you know, a yeah. Facebook post ripping Biden and putting that uh, the ticket in an uncomfortable position. I agree. Got to play out this weird family dynamic. Uh, so that's my take. What thoughts, please? Go ahead, Murray. I think you're totally right. It's it's way too much of a distraction mm-hmm. um, for this type of a race, for the cruciality of it. Do I think it would be as big of a deal in another time? Yeah, but not not what it is now. I think I think you're right. I think it, but again, I think anyone you put up, they are going to tear apart for something. I think Susan Rice has a way bigger problem than her son if he chose her, and that's her reputation. Not that she isn't brilliant, 
but she's calm, stoic, strong, and very intelligent and great on foreign policy. But the problem is she's not enough of a contrast to Joe. And she's attached to Clinton, Obama, you know, Benghazi. Benghazi. She's been the same thing as Hillary villainized for four yeah. years in yeah. the right-wing media that everyone, even a Democrat, thinks of those things when they think Susan Rice. So I agree with you that it would be a huge distraction, but I think she's got a bigger problem than that. She, her son is a Bristol Palin of this race. Oh <laughs> yeah, a Bristol Palin. Well, at least the Bristol Palin, Palin agreed with her mother ideologically. All, all too much. All too much. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, now, was... I don't think that, when, that, that now if it were any other situation, I think I want to make this clear. Parents are not responsible for their children. Yes, <laughs> having three boys. We are. We have to make sure that they're kept alive and healthy and educated. And that's about where your your requirements end. Now, we personally want to make sure they're good human beings to put them into the world. Yeah. But sometimes you have a kid that no matter how hard you try, <laughs> that child will do everything that is the exact opposite of what you tell them to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure it is in her own way. Kellyanne Conway feels that about her daughter, who's a liberal. Probably. Uh, you know, and uh, so I have to admit, I take a little delight when I watch uh, the daughter and the husband undercut the policies of Donald Trump and Kelly and Conway. I'm just saying I would not want that happening to a Democrat to have to deal with, <laughs> you know, getting assaults from uh, a son's or something. I, listen, Su- Susan Rice wasn't even on my top 50 list. No, you know no, what I'm no. saying? So that's this is a total side issue. And I have to wrestle with this. Murray, you make a very good point. I have to think about it. Uh, should I hold Susan Rice accountable for the political worldview of her son? Um, and I'm going to have to think about that, Murray, and get back to you with that one. Okay. Uh, it's a tough one. It's a yeah. tough one. You just wonder what, how that boy got so damaged. Right. <laughs> and I know, but I also know how, how liberal we are in this house and progressive and we have three boys and how they hear this all the time. So it makes you wonder either that it kind of makes me think maybe her son has like an oppositional defiant thing where he just wants to rebel against whatever mom says, or it's the fact that maybe these policies and these discussions weren't happening at her table, which means maybe she's really not where we think she is. So I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. I, uh, not, I didn't even know the kid existed until yesterday. And I read the article. Oh, no, don't bring this trouble in. Listen, uh, is he related to Nestor? You know, Matt Gates's magical son. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I think again, no, it may have been Heidi. I can't remember who said this is a good point. Uh, and the Heartland mamas, uh, stand, uh, with me in our, uh, uh belief that marijuana, should be legal. Cannabis should be legal uh, as a federal law. And uh, I'm very disappointed that Joe Biden has resistance to this. I don't even quite know how to articulate my thoughts on it. Uh, We'll start with you, Heidi. Uh, What the hell's going on here? I haven't seen anything recent about that. That was played out a lot during the the debates. Mm -hmm. So I haven't seen any recent resistance to it. So I'm wondering. They turned it down from the platform. Oh, they did he? Did not okay, put it on so the platform. I, somehow mm-hmm. I, that I was missed it. I, like last week. I was really hoping it would be in the in the platform because I think it's a, a key portion of criminal justice reform. I, we incarcerate so many people in this country more than any other nation, and a lot of it is um, seven times. You know, seventy percent of the incarcerate 
incarcerations are black and brown people, right? Disproportionate to the people that live in this country. And criminal justice reform has to have marijuana legalization, complete legalization uh, as a cornerstone to that. And, and, and I think we need to go farther and decriminalize like uh, psychedelics, at least uh, a little bit of mushrooms, magic mushrooms. They're used for medication. I think that that, that it needs to be at the very least decriminalized. And you're missing out on the entire economic factor of legitimizing industries and taxation <laughs> and being able to utilize banks, which once we get through this pandemic, we yes. may be a really good alternative for folks. We need to, we, we can see what legalization has done for the finances of the state of Illinois and part of how it's keeping us afloat. Pot's keeping us afloat right now in a pandemic. I, I just feel that we need to be sure that we legalize it so that banking is no longer an issue okay and um and so that we can use it as a cornerstone for for criminal justice reform but there's it's really a puzzle to me and it could be an age thing that he doesn't understand but i think it's going to depend largely on who he brings in as his vp uh how this gets done and how the will of congress too you know this could be something that um that Congress is going to bring to him and he's going to have to sign and he's going to have to stand on that, that ground either for or against. And I, I just, it's way past time. It's way past time to get this legalized and get this off of our books and off of our, it's American stupidity because Murray and I have talked about it. America is not really exceptional. America is part of a very exceptional world. It's how we drive it and we drive it very poorly at the moment. That's one of the things we drive badly. That is well put. I agree with you on that one. And I and I'm just going to respond to something you said. And I deal with this every time a guest says this. I feel compelled to say this. It's uh, probably his age. Point out that Joe Biden, I believe, is 77. Did you say 77 years old? Is that what he mm-hmm. is? 77. So 77 or 77. I can't remember. 77 or 78. Let's say it's 77. That means he was born in 1942. Because I think he yeah. birthday there. Okay. That means he's the same age as Paul McCartney, John Lennon, Ringo Starr, George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Janis Joplin, all these other people of his generation were smoking so much reefer in the 60s. So it had nothing to do with his age. Okay? And okay, okay. He's, he's listening to Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds and Beatles too. Goes, I love that song. He's an old geezer. And so it's just like he, for whatever reason, has staked out this political uh, turf, Heidi and Marie, where uh, he is going to be against marijuana because it's like the politically correct thing to do. But he's behind the times if he does. He will be so far out of step, out of sync with the rest of the United States, with the rest of the world, by standing on that, that ground. You know, he just... He needs to get in step with reality. And that's why I'm so disappointed that we didn't get a progressive candidate, why we have the issues we have and of course my progressive candidate is nearly his age so but i you know and i i keep thinking well he's 77 my dad was designing new inventions when he was well into his 80s you know he was sharp and he was driving and he was doing everything but he also would have voted against pot legalization you know oh, sorry marijuana <laughs> but i i just i think that whoever joe joe's handler is in the basement they need to sit down and talk to him <laughs> maybe give him you know stop by murray's house on your way there and you are up. welcome to <laughs> home to my house and I got good stuff in that house 
I do. I can I can give him a tutorial. Hey, Joe, I can hook you up with all the deets you need, man. Who's I believed uh, Joe has inhaled uh, in his life. I just have oh, a funny feeling. He's and right at that age. If it comes to his desk, he probably would sign it. But the thing is, is it's not part of the platform, and it should be because yeah. it fits into criminal justice. It fits into social inequity. There's yep. so many things like Illinois did we could do good with it. Uh, it can't you. be released the platform i haven't seen it for 2020 see and I, I, still, I still think things are in flux and i think i think it's a little strategic to pull it out and see what people say and i think we need to give them Absolutely. the feedback you know we what? need to all tweet them this this <laughs> this uh what heidi is saying where he uh, fits into what i've been saying all day is uh, joe biden's best strategy is to go back into that basement because every time he leaves oh. the basement he says something stupid and and you know uh and so <laughs> he goes back to the basement and it's just donald trump saying stupid but things and people are like, I'm just going to vote for whoever it is running against Donald Trump. So I think that's part of the strategy. No yeah. platform, so Trump can't respond to it. No vice president, so <laughs> he I'm may not announce that VP until October. Time. What's well, that? Ben, you're right on. I say if Ben, if, if Joe could keep his mouth shut until November, we'd win no problem. Yeah, yeah. to make sure he doesn't get to talk. He shouldn't. He shouldn't do. Hey, he sure videos. Yeah, show that strength. Let Joe talk for him. His wife. You know, uh, you know, he does send out some amazingly good tweets. I don't think he's writing him them himself. I think he goes through it with somebody and then they send out these really great tweets. Yeah. And I think that is the the person and in these still pictures of him kneeling at the appropriate times, wearing masks, being humble. Those are all good things that he can continue doing. But should he comment on the difference between Hispanic, Latinx and black americans no shut up maybe Joe. he should just do it in writing since he seems to be better in writing than right all right now we're going to close it down with this as i said yes. by the time this airs uh joe biden presumably will have selected a vice president so this will be a test for all our listeners to determine who is the greater prognosticator, Murray or heidi or ben uh and so we're going to make our predictions as to who Joe will take. I'm not asking you who you want him to take. I'm asking you who you think he's going to take as a prediction. And if you want to throw in who you want him to take, that's fine. So I will go first, giving you guys time to uh, think of something. I'm sticking with the prediction I've been making all along, uh, even though it seems like Joe's knees are knocking on it. I think he's going to go with Kamala Harris. That's who I think he's going to pick as his vice president. And of all the candidates out there right now, uh, well, I, I think it's, they say it's between Kamala and Susan Rice. So that's the one I want. If it's between Kamala Harris and Susan Rice, I'm Kamala Harris 100%. All right, Murray, you're next. Go. Susan Rice, to me, that says that we're just going to do the same strategy we've done before, and that's not going to work. Joe hasn't run for a while, so we need something new and 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 not startling like Trump knew, but definitely some energy. So I'm praying to holy heaven it is not. I fear he's going to pick Susan. All right, now let me ask you this. You're in Vegas. you got to put the money down. It's not about who you fear. It's not about who you want. you got to put the money down to win it, so you're predicting who will be his nominee. Susan Rice. Oh, my God. Wow. I hope you're wrong. And I'm putting all my money on Kamala Harris. All of it. Because it's a smart move. You've got East Coast, West Coast. You've got differing ideologies in the Democratic Party. You've got a very corporate Dem and a very, well, very centrist Dem and a corporate Dem. I mean, they're, they're pretty much interchangeable. However, when I think about somebody sitting down Putin if they were president between the two of them, mm -hmm. I would love to see Kamala Harris just stare him down like Obama did. <laughs> 
you know, and put that man in his place because yeah. he needs it. Um, I just, I just have this I mean, feeling I mean, it's going to be something, Harris. Here's the thing that I, I, I think. Uh, an old philosophy that most businesses and Heidi and I talk about mercenary capitalism all the time is they kind of adhere to the same old boy network loyalty. That's why we have social justice problems. I mean, a lot of this is, is intertwining, but the smart way to manage and those really successful leaders know to surround themselves with people who are better than they are. Yeah. If you're the person like Trump did, he has to be the man and everyone below him has to be equal to or stupider, mm-hmm. you know, then, then you're going to do that. And too many managers are afraid to hire someone who's positive, who's strong that might take their job instead of that going explains Dan and Quayle. I move on. Yeah. Yeah, and that's my fear. If he chooses someone not like Kamala Harris or a strong figure that to me will he say Tim Kaine. Oh God! Uh, oh God! Uh, all right, one more time, uh, Heidi. Tell folks Heartland Mamas where they can listen to your podcast. Go ahead. You can find all of our previous works at Heartland Mamas M A M A S dot com. You can find us on every streaming platform. Uh, or every podcast platform. We stream 2 o'clock every Tuesday and Thursday on Facebook or Google Heartland Mamas, M-A-M-A-S, and you'll find us. (laughs) 